Hey guys, welcome to the Thrive Church Podcast. I'm Judah Thomas, the lead pastor, and we thank you for joining us today as we discover what God's Word has to say to us. If you enjoy the podcast, we'd encourage you to leave a rating, review, share it with your friends or family, and we hope you enjoy today's message. Well, we're concluding our series uh, this week called Hello, My Name Is. We've been in this for a while, and, uh, and I had a note page for you, and I had several people say, where's the note page? And I forgot them on my counter at home, so I apologize. You can take your own notes if you'd like to. There's pens there, but I don't have paper, so I'm sorry. Um, but, uh, but we're continuing this series about Hello, My Name Is, and, and you know, you go to sometimes... Uh, business gatherings or things like that and people fill out these name tags says hello my name is and you're supposed to write your name tag on I never like wearing those personally and I always like hide them under my shirt or something like that but but in our life we write things down on these name tags we write down things like like loser and unloved and unworthy and unforgiven and 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 sinful and all kinds of things we tend to write down so we've been taking a look at how God sees us. And all throughout Scripture, we see people that had a name, and then they came into contact with God, and God changed their name. And he changed it to something that was better, more positive. And I believe that's what God wants to do in our lives, is to change our name, to change how we look at ourselves, and how we think about ourselves, and how we realize how God sees us. Well, in, in Scripture, in the Old Testament, the first part of the Bible, the large chunk in the beginning, before Jesus came, in the Old Testament, God wanted to use a prophet to demonstrate his love for Israel. So God wants to show Israel how much he loves them. And so he takes his pro, the, 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 this prophet, and he's going he's gonna to demonstrate. Now, now this, this, is, this one's kind of weird, honestly. I mean, we all like a love story, right? Well, this is a weird love story, I will admit. So we're going to look here in Hosea chapter 1, starting in verse 2. It says, When the Lord first began speaking to Israel through Hosea, he said to him, Go and marry a hooker. It doesn't say that exactly, but, you know, we get the point, right? Go and marry a prostitute. Anyone want to sign up for that? I mean, it's like, hey, okay, I got, we're going to show Israel how much we love them. Go and find a hooker and marry her. I mean, Hosea must have been like, what in the world are you talking about? But that's exactly what God said. He said, go and marry a prostitute. <laughs> Listen to the reason why. So that some of her children will be conceived in prostitution. A any takers here? Anyone like, yeah, you know, that sounds like my calling in life too, you know? He says, go and marry a prostitute so some of her children will be conceived in prostitution. This will illustrate how Israel has acted like a prostitute by turning against the Lord and worshiping other gods. Imagine God asking you to do that. That's kind of crazy. We'd probably be like, God, isn't there another way that you could show Israel that maybe they've went the wrong way instead of like me having to get into this situation? He says, no, go marry this girl. Go out on the street corners and find a girl that's selling herself and, and just propose to her and get married. Because I, I want some of your kids to not even be your kids. I want them to be somebody else's kids. So listen to what it says in verse 3. So Hosea married Gomer, the daughter of Diblaim, and she became pregnant and gave Hosea a son. 
Now, it was crazy enough that God asked him to do this. It was crazier that Hosea actually obeyed. I mean, Hosea actually went along with this thing. He says, okay, God, if you ask me to do that, I'm going to do it. So he goes out, and, 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 and he marries this lady, Gomer. Hosea went into it with eyes wide open, didn't he? You know, sometimes you might get into a marriage relationship and find out something about your spouse, and you're like, oh, my goodness, I wish I had known that before. Don't raise your hands, okay? Um, but Hosea went into it with eyes wide open. He knew what he was getting into. Hosea's love was not blind. We say, oh, love is blind. Not Hosea's. You know, what does love is blind mean? That means we're willing to overlook mistakes. We're willing to overlook this because, oh, we're just in love. You know, the girl says, oh, I'll fix him. He ain't going to get fixed, honey. <laughs> it just ain't going to happen. You're not going to fix him. And, and, and he's like, well, you know, she gets on my nerves a little bit, but it'll get better. <laughs> it ain't going to get better. <laughs> he went into it with eyes wide open. His love was not blind. And, and so they're married, and, and they have several kids that we don't know who the fathers are, but Hosea takes them as his own. He names them. And something happened. I don't exactly know what. But something happened, and she hit rock bottom. She hit rock bottom, and somehow, in all of this mess, she becomes a slave. Now, I don't know what kind of slave she became. I don't know if she's working for a pimp. I don't know if she's, you know, a, 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 a sex slave somewhere. I don't know if she's just doing manual labor. I don't know what the circumstances are. But somehow, between the time of her having some kids and, and this next part we're going to read, she becomes a slave. And, and not only a slave, a worthless slave. No one in their right mind would love her and accept her now. But listen to what it says. In Hosea chapter 3, we're going to skip a little bit ahead. And it says in chapter 3, he says, Then the Lord said to me, Go and love your wife again, even though she commits adultery with another lover. Why? Because this will illustrate that the Lord still loves Israel even though the people have turned to other gods to worship them. So he's saying, go and love your wife again. And in verse 2 he says, So I bought her back for 15 pieces of silver, five bushels of barley, and a measure of wine. He goes and he buys her back. Now the interesting thing about it is, is that's half the price of an average slave in that culture. So she wasn't even worth the price of a false slave. And he goes and he buys her back. And he brings her into his home. And after a period of time, they become husband and wife again. It's interesting that the word Gomer, his wife's name, actually means complete. Yet she was anything but complete, wasn't she? She was always looking for something, always looking for, for a relationship. And here her name means complete, but no longer is she complete. But Hosea is making her his wife. The symbol of, this is a symbol of God's unconditional love for us. Now, if you are taking notes, write this down. That Hosea's love for his wife wasn't earned, and it wasn't expected. It wasn't earned, and it wasn't expected. She wasn't expecting Hosea to come to her. She wasn't expecting him to come and, and bail her out of this horrible situation. And she certainly did nothing to earn it. All she did was earn was rejection. You know, there's a song that, that some people may have heard if you're 
under 30, you may have never heard this song. I don't know. It's called God is Watching or From a Distance or something. Some of you guys heard that? Anybody heard it? A couple of you guys. And what's the whole gist of that song? From a distance, everything looks wonderful. Everything looks great. Hey, even from a distance, we look like friends, even though we hate each other. From a distance, from a distance. And then what does she go on to say? Well, God's watching us from a distance. What does that mean? Well, when God looks at us, he just sees the good things and not the bad things. That's what it's implying. But no, that's not true at all. God sees us up close and personal. He sees the flaws. He sees the weaknesses. He sees the things that we struggle with. And that's reinforced here in Romans chapter 5. In verse 6 it says, When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right moment, at the right time, and died for us sinners. At just the right moment, when we were utterly helpless, when we were down and out, when we were slaves to prostitution, when we were out there just completely worthless, it says Christ, came at just the right time and died for us. Verse 7 says, now, no, now most people would not be willing to even die for an upright person. If we had a good person in here and, we, and somebody said, hey, this person's going to die if one of you doesn't give your life. Man, like, like, you might say, like, well, how good is this guy, right? Like, is he really, really good? Or is he just kind of somewhat good? But most of us wouldn't even be willing to die for a good person. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though, though someone might be, perhaps be willing to die for a person who's especially good. Verse 8. But God showed His great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. So, hello, my name is loved. Hello, my name is loved. I am accepted. I am loved by God. So many people go around this world feeling unloved, feeling alone, feeling abandoned, feeling like nobody gives a rip. Yet here is God showing an expression of love to us all. He says he showed us great love by sending Christ to die for us. When? When we were all perfect, when we were cleaned up, when our acts were all together? No, while we were still sinners. This is a foundational truth. This is something that, that I don't know why it took me a while to, to really grasp this, but it did. And it, it's that, that there is nothing that you can do to get more of God's love. Did you know that? There is absolutely nothing in the world you can do to get more of God's love in your life. You already have the limit. You already have the maximum amount. The full amount. God is fond of you. He likes having you around. He thinks that you're great. In fact, if, if God had a refrigerator, your picture would be right there on it. <laughs> and all your artwork and all this stuff. And He would be bragging about you. Because God is in love with you. There's nothing that you can do to get more of God's love. People go around and try to do all this stuff. Like, oh, I just hope God loves me. I just want God to love me more. I just don't know what i got to do to earn God's love. You can't earn it. It's already been given to you in the full amount. There's a story about C.S. Lewis and several other people having a conversation about the different religions in the world. And, and they were kind of wrestling with what the real difference was of Christianity. And this is what C.S. Lewis said. 
He said, Christianity uniquely claims God's love comes free of charge. No strings attached. No other religion makes that claim. No other religion makes the claim that God's love is offered to you freely. Man, in Buddhism, there's this eightfold path to enlightenment. you got to go through all these things in order to become enlightened. For Hindus, it's karma. What's karma? What goes around comes around. If you want good things to happen, if you want God's love, you need to do good things. But if you do bad things, no, it's not going to work for you. Jews, they have all kinds of laws. They say that God has all these requirements for His love. In Islam, Islam, they serve a God of judgment rather than a God of love. This is the, all these world religions are trying to appease God because He must be angry at me. Only Christianity claims that God's love is unconditional. Unconditional, without condition, with no strings attached. Sometimes we have a hard time understanding God's love for us though why because our love forms gradually doesn't it for those of you that have been in love before has anybody been in love raise your hand if you're married raise your hand (laughs) okay let's just not cause any battles here you better get that hand up if you've been in love that that usually comes gradually now some people say oh it was love at first sight well maybe so but even still it came at a point in time there was a time you didn't love the person, then there was a time that you did. But for most people, love comes gradually. You see her look at you. You see him look at you. You get a little close. Oh, they smell nice. He doesn't smell too bad, you know? Well, maybe, maybe let's spend some time together. Let's see, you go out, you spend some time, you get ice cream. You're like, wow, you know... He doesn't slurp his ice cream, you know, like the last guy did. And, you know, and, and something starts to happen, and gradually love forms. And before long, you know, you're married with a dozen kids and, you know, married for 50 years or something. I don't know. But, but here's the thing. Love generally for us forms gradually over time. And that's why sometimes we have a hard time understanding God's love, and we think we need to somehow impress Him because we think it's like... like like falling in love with a guy or a girl that we need to somehow put be on our best behavior in order for them to accept us. How many of you, like on your first date, you're on your best behavior? Okay? How many were on your worst behavior on your first date? No, don't raise your hand for that one either. Um, because usually we're trying to put our best foot forward. We don't want them to see all of our flaws just yet, but God loves us even with all of our flaws. But just as love comes on gradually, it can also fade gradually, can it not? And so, so we feel that if we don't continue to live up to a certain measure, a certain standard, that God's love for us will fade. Um, I like rock climbing some. And, uh, and, and this is my, my climbing harness, if I can get it on without being too awkward. Um, so, you know, the thing about a climbing harness is that whenever you go climbing, it's always advisable to have something like this on. In fact, did you know that there is a guy, he, uh, he climbed Mount Everest, I, I, I don't know, not, not too, too long ago, and, um, and he's also one of the few people that's climbed the tallest mountain on 
every continent. The interesting thing about him is he's blind. And, and so he climbed Everest. He climbed all these, you know, Kilimanjaro. He climbed, or not, yeah, yeah, Kilimanjaro. He climbed um, uh, Mount McKinley uh, in Alaska. Climbed all these big mountains. And, and you know what he said the key was to climbing? Is that when, whenever you go climbing, unless if you're crazy, you're clipped into a rope. Now, if I'm clipped into the rope, now, the thing I know about climbing is if I'm climbing and I grab a hold of a rope, there's really nothing I can do to hang on for very long. This rope is so slender, and, and, and I weigh more than I should, and, and there's nothing I can do to hold on to the rope. But, but what's the purpose of a rope? It's not that I'm holding on to it. It's that it's holding on to me. And that blind guy was able to conquer these great mountains, not because he was holding on to a rope, but it's because he knew if I slip and I fall, that rope has a hold of me. I don't have to hold on to it. Me being strong or weak doesn't make that rope any stronger or any weaker. And this rope is often like God's love in our lives, that it's not us holding on to his love, but it's his love that's holding on to us. And sometimes we try so hard to hold on to or hold on to it for dear life. And we're like, I just can't hold on anymore. I don't know how God can love me after all that I've done. But it's really God's love that's holding on to us. And even if I let go, it still is holding on to me tightly. Listen to what Scripture says in Romans 8.38. He says, I am convinced that what? That was weak. Come on. I am convinced that what? Nothing. Nothing can ever separate us from God's love. And then he goes to list all these opposite things. He goes to list all these things that are extremes. He says, I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life. Now what is he saying? Neither death nor life or or anything in between that. Nothing, either death nor life or anything in between can separate me from God's love. Neither angels nor demons, neither fears for today, nor worries about tomorrow. Not even the power of hell can separate me from God's love. God's love is holding me tightly. There's nothing that can separate me from God's love. Verse 39 says, No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can separate you. And it's freeing to realize that God's love for you is not based on your performance. It's not based on what you do or don't do. It's not based on anything. He loved you when you were partying. He loved you when you were you know, abusing drugs. He loved you when you were cheating on that test. He loved you when you were doing things He shouldn't have done. Now that doesn't mean that our relationship is right with Him. But it means that His love for you is unfailing. Nothing could separate you from that love. Many people in our world, they they struggle with this, this concept of loving themselves. Some people love themselves too much and we call them narcissists, right? And some people just love themselves so, so much. You know, you can tell, you go on Instagram and it's all like pictures of them, like selfies. 
Selfie. No, no, I'm just joking. Maybe, maybe that's not loving yourself too much. I don't know. But, but some people do love themselves too much, don't they? And then on the other hand, there's some people that just don't love themselves at all. They just don't love themselves. They don't, just don't care. They just wish they were dead. And there's a problem with both of these. And then people hear a verse that says, love your neighbor as you what? Love yourself. And they're like, well, in order for me to love my neighbor better, that means i got to love me better. So I'm just going to focus on loving me more. No, 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 no. My, my challenge to you is not to worry so much about how much you love yourself or don't love yourself, but to realize how much it is that God loves you. Because when we realize how much God loves you, we realize that our own love for ourselves is kind of inconsequential. And our own love for ourselves will kind of balance itself out over time because we realize that God says that I'm valuable. And it's more important for me to feel loved by Him than loved simply by myself. We need to be satisfied in God's love for us. You hear people say, for the love of God, right? I don't even know what that means exactly. For the love of God. But here's what I think it means. For the love of God, I am free. For the love of God, I am more than a conqueror. For the love of God, I am redeemed. For the love of God, I am made right with Him. I'm able to have a good relationship with Him. For the love of God, I am His heir. For the love of God, I am His ambassador to the world around us. For the love of God, I am healed. For the love of God, I am His beloved. I am loved by Him. And in God's eyes, I'm a big deal. And in God's eyes, you are a big deal. But then bad things happen, don't they? (laughs) And what do we do? What do we say when bad things happen? Well, God must not love me. How could God love me if He lets bad things happen? How could God love us if He allows things like what happened in Orlando to happen? How could God love me? And we question God's love for us. But see, God doesn't love us because we're good or we're attractive or whatever. He loves us simply because He chose to love us. And unfortunately, we live in a world that's fallen and He's given us all the the ability to make choices about our lives and about our future. And we don't always make the best choices. But regardless of that, through all of that, He still chose to love us. It's an unconditional love. There's no conditions in your life that will make God ever stop loving you. God's love doesn't depend on our feelings. I believe that God loves me even if I can't feel it. You know, that, that's a funny thing. And I, hear myself, I just don't feel God's love. As if our feeling has any basis at all on God's love. Like, oh, because I don't feel it, it must not be real. No, God's love is for us even if we don't feel it. I, we should say that together. Listen, I believe God loves me even if I can't feel it. I'll say a part of it. I believe God loves me even if I can't feel it. Even if I can't feel it. Oh, let's try it again. I'll try, let's wake you guys up. I believe God loves me. Even if I can't feel it. You guys are getting ahead of me now. 
I believe God loves me even when I don't feel it, even when I wake up in the morning, even when everything's going wrong, even when I got a bad grade at school, even when my best friend just moved a thousand miles away and I'm never going to see him again. I believe God loves me even though I can't feel it at that moment. God's love is, uh, is like, like four-dimensional. You guys go see movies in 3D, right? And you put the 3D glasses on and like everything comes out at you. Well, here, this scripture talks about God's love in four different dimensions. Ephesians 3.18 and 19, it says, And may you have the power to understand all, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep His love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you'll be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. May you have the power to understand how wide, how wide, how, how all-encompassing, how wide God's love is. Our love is often very narrow, isn't it? I'll love you if you have the same color of skin I do. I'll love you if you believe the same thing I do. I'll love you if you act the same way I do. I'll love you if you fit in this narrow space. But God's love is not narrow. God's love is wide. How long is God's love for us? God's love for us is eternal. It's like a ring. It has no beginning and no ending. God's love for us is long. It's, he, he doesn't take vacations. God's love for us is high. Higher than the highest mountain. The pinnacle. The greatest achievement. God's love is higher than those things. God's love is deep. It reaches the depths of our lives. When storms will come against us, and they will, Some of you may be going through storms right now, but God's love is deep. It is unshakable even in times of storms. So what is our response then to God's love? What is our response to God's love? Probably the most famous verse in the Bible is John 3.16. And I've been thinking about this verse a lot lately. It's common, and as a result, I think we kind of take it for granted. It says, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. So I started asking myself this question. I have a son. He's five. Uh, Reuben, you might see him going around growling at people. Um, <laughs> And I, and, I, and I think, even on his worst day, who would I sacrifice him for? Who would I sacrifice? Who would I say, you know what, instead of letting that person die, take my son instead. No offense to anyone here, but I wouldn't do it for any of you. I there's nobody I, I would do it for. I, I, I would easily, I would sooner give my own life than to give the life of my son for anybody. Like, no, there's no one I would sacrifice my own son. How much love must that be for someone that you're willing to sacrifice your own son for them? He says, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that's Jesus, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. He loved us so much, He gave His Son. None of us would do that. I mean, people that... 
They, they don't even want like a kid to cut in front of their you know, son in, in line, right? You're like, no, 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 my, put my kid there first instead. Like we, we don't want to sacrifice anything for them. So what's our response? Our response is to accept his love and then to return it back to him. We need to accept his love and return it back. Scripture tells us that we love him because he loved us first. And then the other thing we see in John 13, verse 34, and Jesus said, said, so now I'm giving you a new commandment to love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you're my disciples. You know, we, we talk about this a lot because, because so many times churches and, and followers of Christ are characterized by how judgmental, by how critical, by how angry. They're, credi- they're, they're, they're characterized by what, by what they're against rather than what they're for. And, and we need to be for people, loving people. Here it says, love each other just as I have loved you, just as I've loved you and I gave my son for you. You are supposed to go and love other people. And then that love will prove to the world that you're my disciple. So our response to God's love is to love Him in return and then to turn and to love others. No matter how many times we doubt His love for us, no matter how many times we turn our back on Him, no matter how many times we deny that He even exists, we need to realize that He loves us He loves us so much, He was willing to give His Son Jesus to die for us. He loves us. You might feel unlovable. You might feel unloved. You might feel, but you don't understand what I've done. Yeah, but God does understand what you did. And He says, and I still love you anyway. I think you're great. Now we got to work on some things. But I love you just the way you are. And our response is to accept that love and to return it to Him. Let's pray together. Father, we come to You now, and we thank You for Your love for us. Your love, which is wider than we can imagine. It's deeper than we can imagine. It's higher than we can imagine. We thank You for Your love for us, that we didn't even deserve it. While we were still sinners, while we were still out there doing our own thing. You still loved us. And Lord, you still love us right now regardless of what we did this past week. Regardless of how inadequate we may feel. Regardless of how we feel like we've let you down at times. We acknowledge that you love us. For some of you here, Maybe you've been been trying to earn more of God's love in your life. And you didn't realize entirely that God's love is just available to you. And it's time to, to receive that because when we receive God's love into our life, that releases His power in us. Scripture, it says that if we believe in our hearts that... God raised Jesus from the dead and we confess that with our mouth that He is our Lord, that we are saved. 
And, and I don't know where, where you are right now in your life, but, but my guess is that there's some here that have, have been working for it too hard, but, but you've never just let yourself realize that, you know what, I can, that this rope of God's love will hold me. It's not up to me, it's up to Him. And it's time to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And if that's where you are, I would just encourage you to do what the scripture says. Just say, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is my Lord. Let's turn from those things that held us back. Let's rest in His love and realize that even if I don't love myself, and some of you here maybe don't love yourself, some people are battling depression and battling thoughts of suicide and realizing that God loves you. You are important to Him. Regardless of what you feel about yourself, He thinks you're number one. Lord, let us experience your love. And even if we don't feel it, we believe it through faith that you love us so much that you sent your son to die for us. In Jesus' name, amen. And and next week's Father's Day, so, so make sure you come, drag your dad out. If you don't have a dad, find some random guy at the bar and bring him. Thanks for joining us today. If you'd like to learn more about our church, you can go and visit us at www.thrive.church. If you're ever in the area, we'd like to invite you to come and join us. Also, if you enjoy the podcast, we encourage you to leave a rating, review, share with your friends and family. Until next time, may you grow deeper in God's word each day.